fellow travellers or indeed locked down quarantined non-travellers. I'm Simon Calder and I'm Mick Webb and you are very welcome to You Should Have Been There podcast number 22. And today we're going to be looking at uh, brief encounters, which will actually, as we will discover, have a particular political resonance. But first, Simon, I think a great deal has happened since we last um, got together to talk about uh, travel in a time of social distancing. And you gave us your very splendid five pieces of advice, five pillars of wisdom for planning travel if and when it ever happens again. But since then, we've had a discussion of bubbles, screens, corridors, tests and even air bridges. Could you help us out a bit? Uh, yes, of course. And um, the main thing, actually, that, that's happened was the announcement um, uh, late on Friday night by Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, um, to the world's enormous surprise. Um, she de- decided that this was the moment to bring in quarantine, not uh, at the time when the World Health Organization prescribes it, um, which is before uh, an outbreak really gets going, uh, not while the uh, virus is expanding through the uh, population, which again is World Health Organization approved. No, she decided that um, June the 8th is to be the perfect day. And yes, they had worked it out. June the 8th is when quarantine begins. And that means that anybody who um, is not uh, going to take advantage of um, one of the many loopholes um, is going to have to get back uh, typically to Heathrow, but also to a port, a railway station, and then go and um, register their name, go home and stay there for two weeks. You should not go out to buy food or other essentials. You shouldn't have visitors. Even people in the same household as you should avoid contact. And if you haven't got anywhere to stay, the government will offer you a choice of accommodation. So this is going to affect a vast number of people, or rather it won't affect a vast number of people directly because almost nobody is going to bother to travel to Britain um, and those that do probably will be taking advantage of the Dublin Dodge and therefore um, not having anything to do with the 14 days quarantine. Well can I just ask you to clarify the Dublin Dodge? It is it is the briefest of encounters. Honestly, it really is. Now, I am not I am not condoning this because anybody who takes advantage of the Dublin Dodge or to be more accurate, the Dublin Dodges is going to increase the number of transactions that they have with people, the number of interactions. They are going to increase the risk of spreading the disease. But here's what it is. If you're in somewhere like Amsterdam, instead of booking a a ticket to whatever you're UK destination is on the small number of flights um, you will instead book one to Dublin and then you will book another one to wherever you're going uh, and that will be a bit of a faff and it is the briefest of encounter because you just literally need to set foot on Irish soil um, or indeed airport floor um, and then you come back and then there's there's variants so anybody coming into Heathrow the main point of entry who doesn't have from where they're setting off from say Addis Ababa a direct flight to Dublin um, needs only um, buy a return ticket from Heathrow to Dublin. Um, they would uh, need to make sure they had hand luggage only. They'd then do an airside transfer, go to Dublin, come back. Hello, I'm just uh, uh, arrived from um, the Republic of Ireland, so therefore I have no obligation to quarantine. I'll look into that a bit further, but I must say for the moment, I'm um, very happy with uh, the UK because uh, last week 
I actually took a few tentative steps into the new world with a good long walk in the Kentish countryside accompanied by my partner Steph and uh, we were greeted by this amazingly tuneful bird which I recorded uh, and I think it was a black cap. Well this is going very well I think halfway round our first walk for two months, something like that, sitting in a wood, munching on a very nice uh, rustic cheese and tomato sandwich. And um, we set out from London, drove for 45 minutes, a bit more because obviously I got lost on the way, uh, laden with disposable gloves, hand gel, and all the other accoutrements of life in Covid times and uh, now here we are and it's what do you think Steph have you enjoyed it so far I know you've got a mouthful of, of, of cheese roll I'm not going to speak I can't well it's just been lovely because it's been a beautiful blue sky and very very few people around perfect trees everywhere I think we were quite lucky there were three or four stretches where the footpaths were incredibly narrow with uh, dense sort of undergrowth on one side and barbed wire fences on the other and I reckon if we'd met anyone halfway down one of those uh, that might have been rather challenging. Yeah, but people are obviously going to very open places to avoid that I think. Yeah I think I think that's true I mean oh look here's some people passing. Because we're hidden in our wood, they didn't even notice us. Yeah, no, that's very nice. Did you find um, the stiles and gates and things um, any sort of problem? I, well, was I found it quite fun attempting to get over a stile with no hands. That was quite a fun challenge. Well, we didn't actually have to open any gates, did we? Not yet. <laughs> oh yeah, actually we're... It doesn't matter because we've got our homemade hand sanitizer. 66% alcohol, I think it... Well, it actually, um, it's a bit like putting vodka on your hands. So, so I probably should be worrying more for the gate. <laughs> yeah. Stripping it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to have an apple. Okay, yeah, could I have one as well? Very nice, an open-air apple. Nothing like it. Mick, it sounds absolutely idyllic. A proper outside broadcast, and I'm very jealous that you were in the Garden of England, which I imagine that you reached um, uh, by car. Not having one of those, I'm, I'm restricted really to how far I can cycle there and back in a day but um, absolutely joyful and I hope um, our lovely listeners are remembers, reminded of the joys of uh, simple travel even if it is um, only in England's um, southeasternmost county so uh, thank you for bringing us that it was great um, and uh, a few brief encounters with with uh, black caps and other other creatures along the way so all very good 
Yes, it was nice. I think that um, I was slightly concerned about uh, meeting um, fellow walkers and was alert and wary. I've forgotten what the uh, the great um, cunningly contrived Boris Johnson word was to um, describe the state of mind we should be in. Um, but uh, I thought the most interesting new normal lesson to take away from this was that if you are following, or in our case, roughly following a circular walk, uh, which was signed, um, maybe the time has come to make these one way, because it's, <laughs> you laugh, but the thing is, um, on these very narrow uh, footpaths, the last thing you want to do is to um, meet um, a jolly family coming in the other direction. And I thought this could actually be um, resolved with a few one-way signs. Yes, a good idea. Although, although, here you are um, harking for two metres of social distance. Many parts of um, Europe, it's uh, less than two metres and the World Health Organization only says one meter. And if you're outside, unless you're actually facing somebody into somebody's face, then it might be kind of fifty centimeters. It's uh, uh, the, the idea that you have to imagine you've got a spear and that you're 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 swinging it around. I think I think that is not going to last long. Um, when we learn a little more about this vile vile um, virus. Ah, you think the the, the spear will shrink. Uh, the spear will shrink and the encounters will be closer. Right. Well, anyway, let's get on to brief encounters then, which is what we are talking about today. And, uh, well, you mentioned, I think, last week that uh, brief encounters are the lifeblood of travel. And, of course, it's true, isn't it? I mean, if you sort of think about your journeys, obviously uh, there are places, uh, interesting buildings, wonderful natural sites. But there are also, of course, all the people you meet on the way. And a lot of them you only meet for a brief period of time. But they leave an impact, possibly leave you wanting more, i.e. to spend more time with them and get to know them better. And of course, the very famous origins of this phrase are a film, Brief Encounter, um, 1945, directed by David Lean from a Noel Coward play called Still Life, and and starring Celia Johnson, who got an Academy nomination for her part as the, uh, as, as the, I suppose you would say, bored housewife, really, with an incredibly tedious husband, and uh, uh, Trevor Howard, the dashing um, young surgeon who she met on a railway station. Now, I, you, I think, know more about the place that this was actually filmed than I do. Yes, it was in the film known as Milford Junction, uh, but it's actually in Carnforth in Lancashire, just north of uh, uh, the fine city of Lancaster. And at the time, um, just before filming began, um, Celia Johnson wrote to her husband, who presumably was away serving somewhere, we have to go up north for four weeks location on some horrible railway station. Um, and they'd done this because uh, actually at the time V1 and V2 rockets were, were raining down on on london and the southeast so uh, they thought well let, let's go to some quiet part of the countryside um actually astride the west coast main line from london to uh, glasgow and film it there um and it is a really quaint country station unfortunately these days almost everybody um has the very very briefest of encounters with uh, 
uh, Carnforth because they, even though it's on the West Coast Main Line, they removed the platforms. So it is only possible if you're going between uh, Lancaster and Carlisle to go through it at 125 miles an hour. However, there is a branch line which which spins off towards um, Cumbria um, around Morecambe Bay, indeed. Uh, and so you can stop there. And they have got friends of Carnforth Station um, and they have been doing all they can to uh, preserve the uh, uh, the history of the film. Uh, it was, of course, one of the places that, that uh, Beeching thought, well, we can get rid of that in the 1960s and 70s. Um, and they have now uh, created a, um, a very, very nice uh, museum on the platform there um, where they tell you that... <laughs> 10.63% of Brief Encounter was definitely filmed at Carnforth. There we are. <laughs> but can you actually have a Brief Encounter experience in the sense of um, a, uh, um, an attractive person um, appears and uh, has a speck of soot in their eye, don't they? And then, and then, you, then you have to... Um, Get it out with your very clean handkerchief. Christ, that would be a problem for a starters. Um, and uh, <laughs> and obviously these, uh, and, and at a time of social distancing, just imagine how um, complicated it would become. Uh, no, you couldn't because you would never, ever find yourself. It, it used to be a station where you could train, change trains. It is not anymore. And so uh, you either have a, a, a few milliseconds passing by at 125 miles an hour or you get off one train and sit there for an hour till the next one. So I would I would say that's getting beyond a brief encounter. But certainly, um, if you are in northwest England, um, certainly worth... Well, yeah, you could catch one train, enjoy the museum and the surroundings, take your pictures, and then um, uh, that, that would be, a, I, I guess, a, a perfect... Um, brief encounter yes oh well that's very good um i have to say that um i did scour the uh, the free creative commons license archive of sound recordings and i found one of a steam train leaving a station so um i'm going to play that there we go I was thinking we actually did need a definition of a brief encounter, which we haven't still really got onto yet. Um, and I don't think the film, wonderful as it is, uh, would fit my definition because I think my definition of a brief encounter, and feel absolutely free to disagree, is um, it needs to have quite a strong element of what if dot 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 question mark question mark question mark about it so maximum room for fantasy creativity and imagination but sort of not an enclosed and finished story because in brief encounter the film of course despite their clear desire longing and love for one another the two characters actually never do anything um, untoward or out of order uh, and then they go back to their families um, and decide never to see one another again and in fact everything goes back to how it was to the old normality as it were in the film with the boring husband putting down his crossword and saying to his wife who he suspects might have been um, airing at least in her mind and he says to her, you've been a long way away. Thank you for coming back to me. 
You see, now that's top stuff, isn't it? But I don't think that's a brief encounter, or is it? What do you think? Would you do you feel that it's better open ended, as it were? Uh, yes, I mean it, this is the tantalising promise of something utterly wonderful um, that will lift you away from the kind of dull permanence of domesticity, isn't it? And um, that that is the kind of brief encounter that we yearn for, which is far more about um, hope and dreams than it is about reality. And actually, I kind of more enamoured of the uh, the, the, the very brief encounters that we all have as travellers. And I think what makes them different from just... Uh, of course, when you're travelling anywhere, particularly on a complicated journey, you are going to encounter millions of people in all kinds of, of circumstances. And most of them, it's purely transactional, but some of them, it's emotional. You do have a connection with them. And those are the those are the, the, the uh, encounters that I cherish briefly or indeed remember. And um, I've got a an experiment for you. Which um, I've I've already warned you to that I'm going to need you to pick some numbers. That's because here, Mick, I've got a vast map of pretty much the whole of Europe, and it's not the newest map in the in the uh, shop. Um, it still features the German Democratic Republic and Czechoslovakia. Uh, however, it does the job because it's got latitudes and longitudes. And before uh, we started this podcast, I asked you just to come up randomly with uh, a, a set of coordinates and see if I can name a brief encounter uh, that I have had at or, or close to the um, uh, place you describe. OK, well, I chose 22 uh, longitude um, because it's the number of the podcast and 55, which will be my age next birthday. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, look, uh, 22 is very, very interesting. It takes you kind of down the eastern coast of uh, of, of Finland. Ah, and then, yes, into the Baltic Republics, uh, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, um, forming their own Baltic bubble. And look, you have actually happened upon the border between uh, Lithuania and the fragment of Russia known as Kaliningrad Oblast, the Kaliningrad region, and where I can most definitely give you uh, some good well, you'll be the judge of that. I can definitely give you uh, a couple of uh, brief encounters that I have had really very recently. I was lucky enough to be there in the fine, fine summer of 2018 when Russia, for all its many, many uh, faults, actually hosted the greatest, I would say, uh, World Cup tournament. Um, and I was lucky enough to... Uh, be travelling right across that border uh, down the Curonian Spit, this uh, bizarre bit of uh, land which which goes from uh, the Lithuanian coast, uh, a place called Klaipeda, um, right down to Kaliningrad. And I had the finest of brief encounters because uh, I bought a cheap ticket on a bus and it was full of for example, just little stops in little towns where you would just suddenly get out and get a, a, a literally a snapshot of, of this really quaint backwater, um, uh, which hasn't really changed much since the days of the Soviet Union. Um, and then on board the bus, uh, a, a pretty brief encounter with all the um, 
Croatian supporters because I was going to the Croatia v Nigeria match. And that, of course, turned into just the most wonderful weekend of brief encounters. I happened to be staying in the same uh, hotel as a lot of Nigerians, um, of course, given given the... Uh, Commonwealth connections I was supporting uh, Nigeria it was a terrible match Croatia won 2-0 and it was just the most wonderful uh, weekend and um, no, uh, and then yes here we are and then the best brief encounter best brief encounter so you've done very well indeed Mick thank you for this um, I was travelling with a friend of mine um, called Ian who I've known for 50 years uh, probably longer than that actually and um uh, we we have different travelling styles, and he reminded me, and uh, I think you will recognise this. He reminded me on the last day that I was supposed to have booked the bus across to um, Gdansk in Poland, and we, so you you will recognise the oh yes, maybe you I did hear remember something about that, and of course I hadn't. Um, at which point he was very very alarmed. Yeah, and he he. He likes things properly planned. Um, so I said, well, it's fine. Well, yeah, there's a station. We'll just, uh, I've got a map. I can see the last station. We'll just go there and um, we'll see what happens. And um, we had the most miraculous brief encounter with a Russian soldier whose job was to meet suspicious characters off the, off the train at the, the very, very last station in Russia. So... If you can imagine, if you went in the opposite direction, you'd go about 10,000 kilometres and get to um, Vladivostok. And his job was to meet people and um, uh, check their papers, and he did. And uh, he quickly realised what was going on. So he said, get in the car. Um, And we did, and he drove us to the border, except not quite. He said, I've got to drop you off here because... Uh, the border post you can see down there, you know, a couple of hundred metres, but you're not allowed to walk across. So this is where you have to hitchhike in order to uh, get across the border. Thank you. And he, yeah, at the point when we had thought, oh, no, we're going to have this terrible encounter and he's going to ask us why we don't have any um, any formal travel plans. No, he um, he solved the problem. What a splendid chap. And of course, then just melted away. So spent 10 minutes in his um, very nice car. And then, of course, another a brief encounter, a whole minibus full of Croatian fans who were as happy as anything. They were just starting the long journey back to Zagreb, uh, picked us up two seconds later, and we had a great deal of jollity all the way to Ilblag, uh, where they, they dropped off, dropped us off and started heading south. Oh, well, that's very good. Now, look, we are rambling on at um, extraordinary length here, but we cannot go without discussing the brief encounter or brief encounters which at the moment are um, filling the news headlines, um, which are about the comings and goings, ha-ha, of um, Dominic of that name. And um, he has travelled at least once, it now appears, from London to Durham at a time when um, most people uh, seem to think he probably shouldn't have done... Um, And um, it seems to me that as it is 267 miles from Islington, where I imagine he lives, I really don't know, but I know it's North London anyway, to uh, Durham City, um, if you go via the M1. And it can't take less than five hours. Um, Google says four hours 30, but I mean, I reckon even during lockdown times we'll allow for five hours. Must he not have stopped? For one or all of the peas, which um, 
are, of course, petrol, piss and pasty. <laughs> I, I think you've given us a fantastic insight to your, your life there, Mick. Uh, great. I'm very, very, on behalf of the audience, I'm very, very grateful to you. Anyway, look, I have fantasised. No, I haven't. I have taken um, a rough punt at where he might have stopped if he did. And I'm going to go for Newport Pagnell Services um, because they are the UK's first motorway services built in 1960 in Buckingham. Didn't you know this? Yes, Buckinghamshire, next to Milton Keynes. Um, uh, and... Um, it, it uh, I mean, the, the tale of how it came to be is quite interesting. Egon Rone, of course, the um, author of the famous guide, started off by being very, um, very, very um, pro the new uh, motorway service area because it started off as fine dining and with wine and, uh, and, and waiter service. Um, and he, he reported really very favourably on it uh, in the early days. But then um, he fell out of love when it changed to sort of more like it is now. And he did report, although he claimed it was a friend of his who'd said it, but it was generally attributed to him, um, that the all-day breakfast was so called because that was how long the food hung around in the... <laughs> In the heaters. <laughs> very, very good line, yes. And if I could tell you a little more about it, um, it features in a, um, a song by the Smiths, um, uh, Is It Really So Strange?, um, which has a line, I lost my bag at Newport Pagnell, um, which, which, is, which is a reference to the, uh, the motorway service area because it's all about um, uh, coming and going from the north to the south and the confusion that this can cause in a person. Uh, I hope Dominic uh, has listened to this track. And it does actually have um, the most extraordinary line, which I think is sung with a lot of verve by Morrissey on the... Uh, the the version that I heard recently, which is, I got confused. I killed some nuns. Oh, what? Gosh. Yeah, really. I got confused. I killed some nuns. I don't think that happened at um, at, at Newport Pagnell, but uh, and I'm not sure it really happened at all. Uh, well, um, look, I, I've got. I, I'll see your very, very good um, uh, Morrissey, and I'm going to give you a quote from um, Durham Town by Roger Whittaker, which shows. Um, in these difficult times when people can't quite remember where they were exactly and have to be reminded quite often by the, the public and the media. Um, so I'm, I've got to leave old Durham town is this song. And um, here, we, here we have, um, and this is pure, pure Dominic Cummings. When I was a boy, I spent my time sitting on the banks of the River Tyne. Now, um, there is a wonderful river that winds through Durham, um, but it is most definitely not the uh, uh, the, the, the Tyne. Um, and um, so I, I think we just need to, uh, uh, to, to... It's the River Weir, which, of course, is a great, great and magnificent river, at least um, until it reaches uh, Sunderland. Um, but it is not, by any stretch of the imagination, the Tyne. So so there we are. Um, never trust what you what you hear in song lyrics, I would say. Or uh, what you hear from politicians come to that. Though I should say that in his historic uh, recent press conference, Dominic Cummings stated that he certainly did not stop at any motorway service areas on his way from London to Durham. 
Sadly, dear listener, that's the end of our brief encounter with you for Podcast 22. And um, Podcast 23 uh, is going to be, well, if you agree with this, Simon, is going to be about planning an expedition. Um, Because in these uncertain times, pretty well any journey outside your house um, is an expedition of a kind. And we could look at um, really large-scale expeditions, things that claim to be expeditions, but which aren't really. All they are is um, rather well-financed journeys or trips. Um, And about all the kind of things you really need to take into account when you're doing a major proper expedition, like your climbing of the great volcanic peak, Mount Aconcagua, um, which I really like to hear more about. Well, that's very nice of you. And if anybody would like to give us some inspiration about great expeditions, just go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and leave us a message. So thanks for listening. And it's a goodbye from me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye.